It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Hey folks, welcome back to American Loser. My name is KP Burke. I'm your host. We're telling weird stories from American history. It's putting the spotlight firmly on second place. That's what we do here. We're at a shared universe podcast studio in Eatontown. Oh, whoa, 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 sorry. Sorry guys, we moved on up. We moved on up. We're not in Eatontown anymore, all right? Nobody puts baby in the corner. We're in Red Bank now, all right? Broad Street. We're somebody, baby, all right? That's right. Almost Main Street. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so regular listeners of the show, you guys know that voice. It's my Dilf of a dad, Lawrence Patrick. Say hello. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? Great day. We're doing pretty good, right? Things are warming up here in Jersey. It is, uh, what was it, 72 degrees in New Jersey today. So we're having a good day, folks. We really are. We hope you are, too. Behind the ones and twos, uh, the Kahuna, um, unfortunately, guys, we hate to say it, but... Uh, the Kahuna was on the Oregon Trail, and he <gasps> he succumbed to smallpox yet again. <laughs> yeah, near Salt Lake City. Thought it was um, dysentery. It's uh, he's he's got a couple more. He's uh, if he could just if we could just find a cure for tuberculosis, old Kahuna will join us again. So, no, uh, Kahuna's is moving into his uh, his new studio for his new project. So, obviously, we're going to be excited to get him back here. But you know what? We always have. A good time with our pal Chris Matt behind the ones and twos. How are you, buddy? Hello, everyone. Wait, I was in the car with Christian. Does that mean I'm going to get TB? <gasps> it's possible. Um, and by car, you mean Conestoga wagon, right? Yes, with it's our <laughs> with our oxen holding us. Yes, sidestream TB or something. Oh, it's after that. No, I, <laughs> secondhand TB. Yeah, right. You go. I do want to uh, apologize to you, by the way, because Chris Matt's a very talented musician. Uh, has a great band. Okay, and he asked me weeks ago to share a video of Seriously Matters NJ, right, his band. Yeah. And I went ahead and I, I went to share it. But, of course, I got into a Facebook beef with uh, somebody I got reported for <sighs> for an inside joke with my friend, too. So that's the worst part. So I got a, I'm got i still serving a, a little bit of a shadow ban for the next 30 days. So uh, my pal Joe Weber, who's been on the show before, Joe Weber, um, they really, I, I should apologize to the fans, honestly, because both of these instances where I got in trouble and shadow banned, uh, I have restrictions on my Facebook account for two times that I threatened Joe Weber. Okay. And it's funny because, um, we love you, Joe. yeah, Joe's a great guy, but even Facebook knew that that was me punching down and Facebook intervened and said, listen, this kid doesn't have much. All right. We can't have you. <laughs> oh my God. But we're, we're obviously missing the Kahuna today. Happy to see you, Chris. Good to have you here, pal. Um, and I want you to plug your band again at the end and the upcoming albums and stuff oh, like that. Absolutely. Please do. The listeners, they're good, man. We have we have good, solid people, especially like my pal uh, Stuart Scott Crichton. I think it's Crichton or Christian. I'm not sure how he pronounces it, but that's a great guy right there. Um, a couple of people gave us some really killer reviews recently. So again, thank you to my pal Mike Calta, Radio God of Tampa, uh, for uh, sicking his listeners on us. Esther, I did a little... Um, um, morning show uh, appearance for him down there in Tampa. Mm. And uh, real quick, I have to thank some people before we bring on our guest. Um, she's out in the hallway smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. Um, <laughs> the meanest girl in New Jersey, Carrie Burke, will be here shortly, folks. I promise. Okay. 
So, uh, actually, that's why Kahuna called out today. Kahuna found, <laughs> <laughs> Kahuna found out who the guest was. He goes, oh, oh, did I tell you guys I forgot I'm not done moving yet? <laughs> no, I away. <laughs> She's scared. <laughs> uh, real quick, thank you to uh, everybody who came out to Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie. We had uh, three absolutely killer shows. That was me opening, uh, featuring and opening for uh, my pal, the, uh, the, the wonderful Robert Kelly. Um, we had a great weekend. Uh, a couple of the shows were sold out too. And then they're back up and running at Mahoney's and Poughkeepsie was good. So thank you to Dan and Cal up there who booked that bad boy and Frank DiBattista. All right. You, you bullied me into giving you a shout out on the show, but that's what happens when you're that intimidating looking. Okay. I just have to do it. I caved. <laughs> so, um, we're going to go ahead and bring Carrie in. So, uh, real quickly, um, it's when we, when we bring my sister in, she's a great guest for the show. She does research. She knows her stuff. Um, and then, but there is a little bit of a, well, first of all, it's difficult. Chris is actually wheeling her in right now, and uh, it's it's a bit of a Hannibal Lecter situation. Taking the shackles you know, off, the face mask, getting that off is a real. It's real that. Trouble. It's a. It's somewhere between Hannibal Lecter and when they try to bring the Velociraptors in in Jurassic Park. You know, there's so it's a couple of prior things. But uh, joining us now, fresh off parole, uh, for as long as the authorities don't find where she is, she's with us here all episode. Carrie Burke, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good, actually. <laughs> they, they keep changing the studio around, so it's getting harder to find me now. They do. That's actually, we have to keep changing it because uh, uh, Ming has to answer questions after every one of your appearances. So. <laughs> Sounds Our about next right. next podcast will be offshore someplace. That's a <laughs> territorial war. We have uh, a new place in the Cayman Islands. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, welcome back to Switzerland, loser. We're, <laughs> we're neutral as hell here with uh, but no, no. They're not neutral now. <laughs> also true. Current events, current events. You know what I mean? Um, although history is cyclical, folks, we, uh, we we've kind of pointed that out here. So I'll tell you what we did do. It's uh, it, it's a minefield out there to try to figure out what you can talk about and can't talk about here. But I did find a pretty, pretty good one. Um, and of course, we had to bring my sister in because she's actually the person who made me aware that this exists. I think she was watching. You were watching the TV show because everyone knows they read the title. We put the, the subjects in the title. So there is no big re reveal or anything like that. Literally, Chris Madd's the only person we're going to surprise right now. But you were watching a certain TV show. Yes. I remember we'd come back from like the lake or uh, playing roller hockey or something uh, in the summers. And then uh, mom would go upstairs and take a shower or whatever. And then you would have control of the TV and you'd <laughs> always make me watch this. But what was the show and why did you like it? Um, wrestling. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, uh, just because it's different. It's interesting. It was a cool. I think they and filmed the show. And you get to see how to shrink heads, like I'm going to do to you later. Uh, uh, Carrie Burke, you are saying that like it's an insult, but if there was a way to make this goddamn fucking water jug I've been carrying around on my shoulders for the last 34 <laughs> years, it's you'd be doing me a favor, I assure you. Uh, but uh, no, it's a good one here. And uh, the Ripley's thing, you're right, Carrie. It's definitely uh, something different here. And uh, I actually had my first experience with it. From you, because they had the TV show, which I believe was filmed in St. Augustine, Florida. Mm, that one I don't know. So, uh, have you ever been down? To, have you ever been to a Ripley's, Chris? Yeah. You have? Which one did you go to? I went to the one in Baltimore. No shit. Yeah, in the Inner Harbor. Uh, yeah, the Inner Harbor. Oh, my God. <laughs> that place is crazy. That might have actually just been parts of the Inner Harbor. You might have deviated a little off the beaten path. I'm pretty sure they were smoking crack. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> uh, Omar's coming. Um <laughs> But uh, no, it's um, it's wild, man. It's very cool how they have this all thing. But what got me into this one here, LP, uh, well, I was on the road a couple of weeks back. Um, I was I had time to kill during the day. It was very, very unnerving. I haven't had time to kill in a while. And I actually watched a movie um, that I've been wanting to watch called Nightmare Alley. 
So Nightmare Alley, it's a Guillermo, 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 Guillermo del Toro movie. I try to watch all his stuff too. Um, and I know Cahoon is actually pissed because he loves this movie and wants to talk about this particular topic. But um, anyway, uh, I'm going to set my father up for success real quick. It, it is a uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro movie uh, starring Bradley Cooper. And it's a fantastic remake of a movie that was starring a certain actor, Dad. What was the actor's name? Got me. Tyrone Power. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tyrone. Tyrone Power. Now, Dad, please <laughs> inform the listeners and inform the people that I've told this story to that I'm not making this up. My name is Kevin Patrick Burke, but for a hot second there, it was almost what? Well, we went looking through uh, baby name books, for, and more specifically Irish baby name books, and seems like all the Irish baby names that we were coming up with, uh, you know, somehow uh, Booker T. Washington, Tyrone, Patrick Burke <laughs> really didn't quite make it. But I was almost Tyrone. That's right, Tyrone. folks. It was on the agenda. Tyrone Willie. There. <laughs> <laughs> Never got past that one. Yeah. Well, Kerry was almost Cicely Tyson Burke, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, that would be an honor to be named after an Academy Award winning actress, actually. And I don't know if Tyrone Power ever won an Academy Award, but I know Mom liked him a lot. He was the original Zorro, too, I believe. But I think Tyrone Power was the original Zorro. But anyway, uh, this movie's great, and it's about a guy who runs away um, and joins the carnival. And that used to be an insult, right? I think that was a Poplar Street insult for you growing up, right? Oh, so-and-so ran off and joined the circus. Yeah, well, back in the day, that was always the threat. I mean, if uh, you couldn't find work anywhere else, you would always, you know, take over. You weren't happy with uh, the home life. You would run away and join the circus kind of a thing and just tour the world with the traveling circus. It was like one step up from a hobo. It's a <laughs> Carrie, do you remember that? Um, uh, what was it? I think Grammy put the, the kibosh on it, but uncle Bobby tells a story about um, the idea that we're, we're descended from tinkers and that that was like the traveling gypsies type thing that they lived in wagons and stuff. Vaguely. Yeah. yeah. Caravans. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's kind of what these people were here. Uh, so the term ran off and joined the circuit. It's very much used as a pejorative or an idea of a absurdism because it's like, oh, that's a ridiculous thing to say that so-and-so would go off and join that. But many times the dregs or others of society would find themselves working in the employ of a traveling circus or a carnival, much like the main character of Nightmare Alley. So now with that comes several different jobs. You could be, uh, you could be in labor. Okay. You could be the guy who's setting up tents, uh, you know, all that other stuff, loading trucks, things like that. Um, you could be a performer, okay, of some sort. And there's a lot of different, well, we got a musician in the room right here in Chris Mad. Uh, we have myself, a stand up comic, uh, my sister who does amateur taxidermy. Um, I mean, all sorts of. Not amateur anymore. <laughs> I get paid for it. Yeah, it's not amateur if you get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That, that changes your whole status now to professional. I That's get the right. 1099 now because I'm over that certain point. Oh, my there you God. go. $600, $600 worth of taxidermy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the carnival uh, lifestyle here that you could be a performer and there's different ranks within the performer too. And I think we know this. Uh, I talked about it too. Stand-up comedy, very, very low on the totem pole of respect, okay? Because you could be at a open mic poetry reading like I have been in the past um, and no one heckles poets. No one's like, no, no one interrupts like, oh, I was just trying to make it better. Yeah, I was just trying to help you. I was trying to help you with your poem. That's a, shut up. <laughs> but... Anyway, uh, many of these carnivals uh, and stuff, they would have the hierarchy of the performers here. So you'd have certain people, um, you'd have like a big show, like maybe a, a showman type person who's going to do uh, something over the top. You'd, of course, uh, if you're a good looking woman and you're willing to go out there, you know, and uh, shake your legs and your fishnets or something, that's always going to attract a crowd. 
Then you have what would be known as the sideshows or the freaks. Oh, you could be the guy cleaning up after the elephants. That's if the circus had elephants, you know. Essentially, that's what I did in the Navy. <laughs> that's right. So Shoveling shit against the tide. It really isn't too hard to, yeah. Um, but many carnivals would showcase their, uh, they had sideshows. There's like an underbelly to these shows here too, which um, a lot of carnivals would have sideshows that were, quote, freaks. And even the most famous circus of all, Kerry, who would you say is the most famous circus of all? Probably the I one I can't remember the name of. Right Ringling now. Brothers. Yeah. And then Barnum and Bailey, Bar of course. I was say Barnum and, and those two actually merged in 1919. So Ringling, uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey merged and turned into one big thing. And I remember I used to hear the commercials on the radio. And when the circus came to town, we would go. It'd be a Continental Airlines arena. Yep. Right. But um, I went to that. We'd go to East Rutherford, sure. man. Yeah, sure. Uh, aren't you the guy who fed the elephant cigarettes? <laughs> I thought they were peanuts, dude. That's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even, the, again, the most famous circus of all, Ringling Brothers, they had uh, these things known as freak shows as well. They would be a part. Now, freak sounds bad, right? Freak sounds like a rough one here. That has a negative connotation in modern society, too. And then there's the term geek. A geek would have, Carrie, what, when you hear the word geek, what conjures up the, what, what imagery appears in your mind? Uh, sitting, someone sitting in the back of a classroom with an attache case open, reading <laughs> comics, and you know, with that little pencil holder in his pocket, a pencil, yeah. pencil, Larry, pocket protector, <laughs> pocket protector. There you go. See, he knows what it is. I was going to say somebody with a little too much. Anybody who seemed to enjoy schoolwork was always something that the geek would come up to me on. Um, or the geek squad. By today's uh, terminology, is a whole different. Uh, connotation to that. well imagine if dad imagine if the and we're going to get into it imagine keep that idea of geek squad on the uh the in you know the foremost uh section of your brain here right. i think it's worth mentioning later um the terms freaks and geeks obviously great classic tv show Seth right Logan. of yeah. course right yeah. freaks and geeks but that that terminology has been around for a while here now the freaks we would think that's the meaner word but actually the freaks were treated rather well because the freaks had unique skill sets you know, uh, for the carnival that you couldn't get this anywhere else. So I drew up a couple of examples. Um, for instance, Ringling Brothers employed a girl by the name of Annie Jones. Annie Jones was a young girl born with facial hair on her chin at birth. Yep. And then uh, an unknown medical, a then unknown medical condition, I should say, uh, allowed her to grow hair on her face like that of a male. This was Annie Jones. She became known as the famous bearded lady. The bearded lady. So, yeah. yep. Chris Mad's got a nice beard right there, but imagine if you had that beard at birth, we'd be a little bit confused. And I then, did, but I had ovaries. I'll get into it later. It throws things around, man. But she had a, an unknown medical condition that they then figured out. I, I won't even pretend to know how to pronounce it, but that was Annie Jones, and she became the famous bearded lady. And she was a very well thought of and sought after performer and stuff like that. And she got paid pretty good too. Um, Jack Earl who was supposedly at one time or another the world's tallest man. He was rumored to have been as tall as eight foot six. That is tall enough that he can call Kahuna, hey, little guy. That's right. Yeah. So, hey, shrimp. Yeah. Then there was uh, Myrtle Corbin. Okay. This was a good one here. Myrtle Corbin, Kerry, is the also known as the four-legged girl from Texas. Yes. She was born with two pelvises and therefore – uh, had two traditional sized legs. I won't say normal because that's a pejorative to make it sound like they're freaks for having extra legs. Um, even though they were in the employ of being a freak show. Right. Um, Myrtle Corbin, uh, she was born with two pelvises, had two traditional sized legs, and then two tinier legs. You can actually look at pictures of her. I'll put it up in the um, uh, uh, the Instagram. 
which I'm trying to get back. I think somehow or other they made me verify my age and I didn't what want to do the? it. So yeah, Carrie just pulled uh, Carrie pulled up a picture of her. Was her name Kickstand? Kickstand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but if you needed a catcher for your softball team, was there anyone sturdier yeah. in, in collisions at home plate than old Myrtle Corbin? Imagine no. having to buy like two pairs of shoes at the same time. Had an advantage at the three-legged race too. With the is it like two rights and two lefts? Yep. And, oh, and then you see her throughout the years too that she does. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of the freak show things were also fabricated. So there were some. A lot of it right. was magic. But this, these were legitimate people with conditions and stuff like that. Do you get two pairs of shoes? Make sure they're matching. Like. This is my front shoes. These are my back shoes. <laughs> that's that's actually an interesting point here too, because and then it's going to be different sizes based off of her as well, because she had again the the two legs in the middle were tinier. Yep. Do you do you come in uh, children size as well? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm here to shop at big and tall. <laughs> but uh, and then there was uh, this one was my favorite here. Uh, the famous dog faced boys. Okay, the dog faced boys. A father and son who uh, had both been uh, living with werewolf syndrome. Okay, they were performers from Russia originally. And uh, the result of this werewolf syndrome that they had actually had the two of them, um, if they don't shave, they would grow facial hair completely all over the entirety of their face. And look, they literally looked like Chewbacca. They, if you look at it, they, it's so much like yeah, um, Michael J. Fox in uh, Teen Wolf. Yeah, I would say that almost is exactly what the imagery would be. I'm thinking Teen Wolf. So yeah, when that the, that yeah that thing when Teen Wolf when uh uh you know uh, Michael J. Fox is in the bathroom and he doesn't want his, his father to see him and his father opens up the door and they're both turned into wolf people. That's what this father son thing was. They Maybe both, that's where they got the inspiration yeah, for. Absolutely. Oh, without movie. a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Because it looks like it. Oh, with 110. percent How do you pronounce his name? Uh, wouldn't even attempt to. <laughs> it's a it's a Russian Theodore fellow. Jeff so interestingly enough, the father was actually a, a, a total alcoholic. Another thing very common with the vagabond vagrant lifestyle that accompanied a lot of the carnival stuff. Um, he succumbed to uh, cirrhosis, uh, I think, relatively early on in his life. But his son was uh, over here. He was he came over so young. He was paid very well because, again, uh, you, you're, oh, I'm sorry. You need a, a, a 12-year-old boy that has a full face covered in hair that looks like a mini Chewbacca before the world knows what that is. I'm the only guy selling what you're looking for. That's right. So let's let's talk, Mr. Barnum. What do you got? Yeah, well, you're talking about that. It's curious, too. I mean, the whole history of the circus. I mean, the circus goes back to the Roman times. But um, in the uh, 19th century and the early 20th century, many of these circuses are traveling shows. I mean, we, we talked about uh, Buffalo Bill and his Wild West. So, well, that was just a uh, – an, an, a uh, exploded version of some of these other circuses. And they were performers and they would travel about, set up in a tent. You know, they're here for a couple of days and then they're gone again. So they're, it's a circus. We're talking guns or clowns. This yeah. one's both. <laughs> we're talking both. Um, but um, P.T. Barnum uh, of the Barnum and Bailey Circus, originally he started out with some of these uh, sideshows, some of these, uh, you know, again, back in the 19th century, uh, they would be put on display, put on on a show, and they would actually hire people to go out and be employed as freak finders. So, so as they're traveling around the countryside, you know, Could hey, you imagine an NFL combine type situation. <laughs> they bring, we got freaks here. Listen, what you're about to see, this girl is growing facial. The coarseness of this hair is yeah. like unlike anything we've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, man. A, a four-legged 40-yard dash. No, but you're going out to some little 
rural town out in the Midwest, let's say, and hey, uh, you got anybody around here that's you know kind of a little unusual that uh, you know well that's what they're being hired for to go out and find these these their, their terminology was freak finders, and then we got a six these- foot three giant that likes puppets. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> inside joke, inside joke for the. Break. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) yeah but i mean it uh it went from the uh the populace was coming to attend these kind of things and then it just started to grow out of uh out of favor as as time went on because you know that that poor girl that was the four legs obviously this was some type of uh developmental issue that she had from from birth right so you know Rather than trying to hide it, these guys would go out and try to find somebody or find these peculiarities or little differences and then uh, put them on display. If you didn't have something or if you had something that was minor, well, maybe you could, you know, build it up to uh, be something, uh, put a put a stage to it um, that you're going to become, uh, you know, the story is better than the actuality. Listen, you're great. Once again, we got. We had a little razzle and dazzle we're going to throw on top of yeah. this. You understand? Um, there were uh, um, co-joined twins that uh, were able to uh, play the piano together that uh, uh, they became a, a very popular hit. I mean, it was all kinds of uh, different attractions. Um, Daisy and Violet Hilton were uh, co-joined twins, and they became famous even later on in, in, in time. In the whole vaudeville. Still my second favorite Hilton sisters. (laughs) Yeah, well, there you go. But, uh, you know, many, and and your bearded lady, that wasn't just a one, a one-time deal. There was, there was a numerous different bearded ladies. There was uh, one kid that was uh, headlined as the lobster boy because he had some uh, gene defect that he was born without fingers. All he had was a thumb and uh, perhaps a pinky. So his hands looked like a lobster claw. So he became the the lobster boy. Dad, uh, I, now yeah. you you enjoy seafood, Dad. Um, yeah. I don't know if you even you would probably draw the line at at that where you're just like, I don't know if this kid's hand looks delicious for some yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no. I use those uh, examples early because those were actually performers for Ringling Brothers. So that is the most esteemed circus out there. Because again, it goes in hierarchy. So this is a um, Ringling Brothers being the the big leagues, if you will. Right. And there's the minors. Okay. And the minors. And then, then there's, you know what I'm about to say here, Chris, there's going to be, there's a great club that you can't wait to play. And then there's a shit one nighter that you just hope the guy doesn't fuck you at the end of the night. on the money. Sure You're actually going to get paid. Yeah. When As, the chicken wire is in front of the stage, there's, there's your sign. Yeah. 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 Chris <laughs> knows when it's time to play rawhide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I found too, that, you know, you're talking about um, different eras and, and people accepting different things at one time, a tattooed man or a woman was part of the whole freak show <laughs> that, uh, oh, that, that, those people are really strange. Why would you do that to yourself? Who would get a tattoo and, of Ireland on their body? Yeah, really. <laughs> Endure the pain of that, right? For well, what? Played. He's not even from Ireland. <laughs> Solid. They're dunking on me pretty good, folks. Um, no, that, that was crazy too. That was, it used to be that sailors were the only people with tattoos and that was because they would, that was proof that they had been to these other ports because you couldn't take pictures. That's really what that boiled down to. Um, now Carrie, you pulled up a uh, PT Barnum earlier, but now you have something else up here. You have a, uh, oh, you have the dog face boy. Yeah. Um, 
Dogface Boy looks a lot like uh, Chewbacca here. LP, oh, LP, you got to learn how to turn your phone off during the show. I thought I did. All right. Um, but uh, so we hear the word freak and we think that's the meaner word, right? Is that fair to say, Care? Mm, yeah. If you had the choice between being called a freak and a geek, which one do you think you're going to go? Which path are you going down? Well, I'd rather be a geek. They seem to get a lot of things done. Best Buy, as dad said, has a whole geek squad. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think I'd choose geek over freak. Did you know what geek meant in the circus era, though? Because I didn't until I watched this movie Nightmare Alley. And then I started sitting there and having to look it up because a any circus um, that was worthwhile would brag to you about. And we don't employ any sort of geeks around here. There's no geek show to be found at this circus. So a geek show in the world of the circus, it was pretty brutal here. Okay. I hear the term geek. I think Ming Chen, right? Yeah. That's, that's my, my buddy who knows all this stuff. Crazy smart dude here. But back then geek has truly evolved as a term because uh, a geek was below a freak in uh, these, these days here in the circus here. A freak was one of a kind so that you'd have to treat them with some dignity and they usually got paid pretty well. But the geeks, because you can't, you're not just going to find another bearded lady, but you can find another geek. You can find a geek at every stop that you want. And a geek being back then completely disposable. Geeks were often people that were plied with alcohol and drugs and forced to do inhumane things for a live crowd. No, things haven't changed. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. But even I was a little shook up when I found this one out. It would be very common for uh, whoever was like maybe a guy who got a little too drunk at the carnival or something like that. Maybe some loud mouth or something. A guy mouthed off, uh, you know, because a lot of times, too, the, the carnivals would also have women that would be working as prostitutes or something. That, the, you know, that'd be the, the late show kind of a thing. Um so anyway, uh, a guy who got a little bit too loud or maybe uh, a little bit of a loner or a weirdo or something like that. Hey, we're gonna, you want a drink, buddy? And then they start giving him a drink and clearly this guy's got a problem for it. Then they'd slip a little opium in the next drink or something like that. And then this guy would wake up in a cage, literally shanghaied, being brought to another location. Now, other times there were geeks that were completely aware and in on the fact that they were, they were considered below human for the entertainment value here. Um, but they were just complete drug addicts or, you know, strung out drunks that were, hey, uh, it's, a t it's a terrible gig, but you know what? There's a jug at the end of it for me. And what these geeks would do is that they'd be put into a cage. And oftentimes the most common geek show for these circuses was you'd have this crazy lunatic out of his mind on drugs and alcohol or jonesing even worse. But they're withholding that for, you know, to say you don't get anything until you're done with work today. Well, what's work today? We're going to throw you in a cage with about five chickens. And you're going to run around and catch the chickens. And when you catch them, you're going to bite the heads off the chicken for the live crowd. And you have to make a show of it. So that is a little different than the term geek squad. My father mentioned earlier about the guys who are going to come here and fix my fucking iPad. That's like four Ozzy Osbournes altogether. Yeah, I was just going to say. Sure is. No, and you're sure not performing is. with Ozzy tonight. If someone, if we had the rights to Paranoid by Black Sabbath right now, we'd be playing in the background. Yeah. All day long. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was a geek show back then. And any circus worth um, their weight, if they were a quality production or any sort of integrity to try to, that's what you wanted to distance yourself from. The geek show is not us. We don't do that shit here. Yeah. But if you're PT, if you're Bonham and Bailey Circus and you're, you've got this huge tent, it's a traveling show. It's a huge tent, but it's a three ring circus. I mean, that's the big time. But if you got these little, you know, mm -hmm. rinky dink, uh, barely scraping by uh, one ring circus kind of a thing. Well, then the geek show might be uh, one of the main attractions. Like, yeah, they got this guy who bites the head off of chickens. It's 
it, it really did throw me for a loop on this one too, because other things about a geek, a geek being disposable on a, a carnival is um, what happens if you're, it, it happens very often too. Substance abuse is obviously a very serious issue and people are, are you know, there, there's so many um, huge steps forward we've made in how we look at that uh, and how we treat people with problems like that. But what happens sometimes? Leave them in the gutter, Hemingway style? Yeah. Yep. If your geek dies on the job, uh, you don't, I don't I mean, we don't even know his name. He just bites the heads off. And, so a carny burial. Yep. A lot of times the geeks, if, if a geek died, they either would leave the geek at, and they even do this in the, the Nightmare Alley movie. There, there's, it's not a big scene. I'm not giving any spoilers away, but um, the geeks being so disposable that uh, no one treated them like human. They were treated like uh, wild animals, pretty much, and, and dangerous ones at that too. Um, and then uh, you could drop them off at a hospital and be like, oh, they're going to take care of them and then throw them back on the street. So he's going to be homeless again soon in a heartbeat. And unfortunately, he's probably going to sit there and maybe think, oh, I hope another circus comes through. At least I know what I was doing with that shit. Um, or if he died, if the geek died on the job, oh man, it's like the, it's like the class hamster. You know what I mean? We got to go find a new geek. We've got to paint a geek to look like the old geek that we had so that the people don't know, you know, or, Hey, we were in Kansas city last week. We're in Tuscaloosa this week. Right. New geek. Let's go find us a geek. Right. Nobody's so. going to miss him because nobody missed him back in his hometown. And now you're, could be hundreds of miles away. You know, it's just, he evaporated. Geeks were treated very, very poorly. The freaks were treated well up and until showtime. And then once they tr – that would be the thing too is that if uh, – and this is kind of a fun little piece of info too. I know, Chris, you know all sorts of stuff about movies and stuff as well. You and I combined though do not know as much as Kahuna. I mean yeah, it, it's mind-blowing. Um, MGM has a, uh, a motion picture that has uh, – it's a pretty wild detail. Uh, the movie Freaks that they put out, MGM – used actual live circus freaks in the movie what? and it is the only movie in mgm history i believe that was pulled from theaters for being too controversial before its first theatrical run was done now i don't know i'd have to look into it to find out if there's even a way to watch that movie but i believe that's considered a banned movie and you can't even see it because it has like people born without legs and stuff like that um my sister's gonna google it now and see if she can film. <laughs> <laughs> there you go but uh, no, Freaks was a wild uh, um, thing there. But uh, that was even a movie made about them was considered controversial. So now imagine that, you know, you're in a small town like, oh, my God, there's a, a child with you know no legs born over there. So uh, you, know, you can see the inside of this kid's head. That's fucked up. What's going on here? But uh, of course, in order for us to get into today's loser, who's a guy who actually did a lot for treating them with respect and treating them more as curiosities rather than freak shows, because even um, I can't remember if it was the bearded lady. I think it was the bearded lady. Um, she actually was kidnapped uh, by a phrenologist. And phrenology, just so you know, folks, is the study of you can tell a person's um, behavior and attributes by feeling the bumps on their head. Yeah, a completely debunked science doesn't exist. Not real, but it was at the time. So I was like, oh, he's, oh an cutting esteemed, edge. he's an esteemed phrenologist. Now, if you go by the bumps off somebody's head to try to tell something about them, my father, no personality, no nothing. Just a just a smooth, smooth. dud over here. Smooth, baby, smooth. <laughs> Bowling ball. Cue ball. But, um, but yeah, uh, the, the girl was actually kidnapped because they were so sought after that this, um, this New York phrenologist was then going to display her uh, in like his museum that you'd go pay like a nickel to go see the bearded lady in. And she eventually um, was brought back. Her, her parents got her and stuff like that. Her parents were able to get her back. And then she always stayed close to home for the rest of her life after that. So the problem is that these um, 
quote, freaks, that's what they were being called at the time, would try to reintegrate into society or even be treated like a normal person. If there's the glitz and the glamour of the show, um, then all of a sudden it's like, hey, that's cool. This is interesting. What uh, It's fun to see a freak show. How cool is that? Oh, and they're very pleasant too. And they're very well spoken. But then you're at the post office and the girl behind you has four legs. And now you can't help it. You're treating her different. It's seen in a different light. So they were trying to figure out, well, let's get rid of this word freak. Maybe that's a little bit too rough over here. Which brings us to the guy who really did a, a nice job and really very progressive for his time. And as Kahuna told me on the phone yesterday when he was saying, I can't believe I'm missing this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> this guy almost had a movie about him made uh, starring Jim Carrey. And uh, they started the, the script was written and everything like that. And then the writer's strike um, kept it from happening. But uh, today's episode is going to be about a guy um, who has a building that I was uh, lucky enough to get a tour of. Um, there's three most haunted cities in America. My sister knows one of them because she's been there with me. Um, you want to guess the other two, Care? Three most haunted, haunted cities. cities. The most haunted cities in America. All continental United States. All East Coast for the most part. Savannah. Savannah. Boom. Got it. St. Augustine. That's the one I knew you were going to know. It's not a city, but I would say Gettysburg. Yeah. Uh, Gettysburg um, is up there. Um, New Orleans. Really? Yeah. New Orleans is one of the most haunted. Yeah. Uh, Savannah has some of the most uh, spooky shit going on, too. If you ever get a chance to go down there, check oh, that right. out. Oh, absolutely. I'm working on some uh, show dates down there, actually. Um, but uh, St. Augustine has uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not Castle. Yeah, the Ripley's Believe It or Not Castle is in St. Augustine, Florida. You didn't know that for real? Yeah. Oh, dude, mate, I take <laughs> – literally, when you pull into St. Augustine, it's the first building that you see coming off the main drag. No, so you pass it. It's a giant castle. It used to be a hotel. And um, they have every sort of oddity you could ever imagine in there. It, it's my sister uh, confirmed this too that that was the the the, the first big big one, right? Uh, the first permanent. permanent please one. believe it or not. Okay. Booking that vacation right now. <laughs> oh, dude! It's uh, and if you do go down there and you take page, man, you just gotta talk to me and I'll tell you where to. It, it's such a fun town. St. Augustine is great. Um, but of course, Ripley obviously is the guy who's involved with this one here. So this episode is about the man who made those museums possible, a cartoonist, an entertainer, an amateur anthropologist, care, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Believe It or Not himself, Robert Ripley. Now, uh, obviously, we joke that I was almost named Tyrone. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, Robert Ripley's real name is not Robert Ripley. It's uh, Leroy Robert Ripley. So he was actually a Leroy. He didn't want Leroy? I think that's a, maybe it's just because I'm a Jim Croce fan, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, bad, bad Leroy Brown. Well, Leroy Robert Ripley was born February 22nd, 1890 in Santa Rosa, California. He's a West coast kid. So what do we know about them? They're a little weird. All right. (laughs) Um, He would receive a formal education and also play semi-pro baseball before delving into his two passions, cartoons and the odd and the eccentric. Okay. Oftentimes these two would overlap during Ripley's life. I I really, we struggle sometimes on this show to talk about losers. Like who, because sometimes everybody's like, well, how's that guy a loser? And I was like, well, they're not really as well known and no one knows their backstory, you know, because you hear Ripley's Believe It or Not. And they're sitting there and they're saying stuff like, oh yeah, we have a mummy from uh, ancient Egypt. And you're like, oh, tell me more about that. Instead of being like, well, who's Ripley? Yeah. You know, just like, <laughs> yeah. We, we literally get baited and switched right. every time we try to bring this guy up. Um, but, uh, I remember that show being a little disturbing at times too, Kara. There was some real, um, anything jump out of you off the top of your head that you remember from the show? I know you're going to give us a couple of the exhibits later. I can't remember. There was some, occasionally some weird stuff, you know, like, uh, uh, occasionally unsettling things. But again, Ripley had a cool way of kind of going about this here. 
Um, Ripley had a few eccentricities of his own, Dad. Um, but by age 16, it's, well, it's pretty impressive that at age 16, he is working as a cartoonist for several publications. That's age 16, and he's already working in journalism, sort of. Yeah, well, he that wasn't his first job either. I think his dad died early on, and he was went out to work mm-hmm. to help support the, the rest of the family. But uh, yeah, by 16, he was pretty much uh, set up already working as a as a cartoonist for several different um, periodicals, you know, newspapers type of thing. Solid gig. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was paying pretty good too because uh, he was successful with it. Uh, in fact, by age 23, he was living this again, keep in mind, as a West Coast kid, Santa Rosa, California. And he's at age 23, is now living in New York City and writing a weekly cartoon for the New York Globe under the comic strip name. Chris, Chris, Matt, take a wild guess. What do you think the comic strip name was? Tell me it's Ripley's Believe It or Not. You know it. (laughs) Under the comic strip name of Believe It or Not. uh, Yeah. That's our boy, Rob. He started with like one panel um, working for this newspaper. And due to popular demand, it went from that first inaugural panel, if you will, to a weekly type thing. And it just kind of grew and grew. People were were digging it. And it was, you know, a quick, fast read that – Here's the here's the uh, the cartoon of the day with the believe it or not and uh, became wildly popular. It's uh he it, really there's no part of his life where he's really losing. So I want to be clear on that. There's no losing aspect here. It's just that we never talk about the guy who gave us the great stories to tell. So he's lost in history in that regard, but also very much well remembered too. Um, again, he's uh, blending the things that he really likes here. Um, Ripley would get married and then begin to tour the world in kind of a sort of before his time, Anthony Bourdain kind of a way. Yeah, he really, really hits it big because he's a young guy. He's he's making good money at this point. Um, and he marries this uh, woman uh, by the name of Beatrice Roberts, who's um, a movie star, if you will. She's a movie actress, uh, not quite star fame, but uh, she was also a uh, uh, Miss America pageant uh contestant so i mean she wasn't hard to look at no which is uh, funny because um <laughs> ripley himself though when you look at him kind of a a little bit of a goofy looking guy he had some oddities uh, well you told me something kind of cool dad that you could not refer to the people um that he was dealing with and, and presenting in these uh, articles and stuff like that as freaks in front of him because he would snap on you because he he knew that was he considered that a bad word all right demeaning so that was, but that's absolutely true, right? That yeah. Yeah. And uh, kind of one of the reasons you were telling me too was because maybe he had something he was insecure about. Yeah, he had uh, some very predominant uh, buck teeth that uh, I'm sure that he was, um, you know, he took some childhood razzing uh, early on. And, uh, you know, in spite of uh, his uh, facial features, if you will, he's able to uh, marry this uh, movie uh, actress, uh beauty pageant can i just point out that she was 14 when he yeah got married? i was gonna say i was waiting for it different like, times it wasn't a movie different times yeah she's 15 years uh it, younger than uh, this is all consensual well. too this is robert ripley not stanford white for those who are <laughs> listeners to this there you go he's got a face only a mother can love well <laughs> he's not a handsome guy but it, it seems that first of all and there's a couple things that will always make you um appealing as a human being Number one is if there's always something interesting going on around you, okay? And this guy is surrounding himself with straight up nothing but, okay? Also, we can be honest. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter if you're overweight, underweight, attractive or ugly, balding or a full head of hair. Money talks, okay? Yeah. And he's got some at this point. 
big time. He's making more money uh, during a depression. Uh, he's making more money than some of the famous uh, ball players and stuff. And he is, you know, he started out playing uh, semi-pro uh, baseball. So he, he there is some athleticism. Athleticism. Matter of fact, he really, when he first gets his start in the newspapers, uh, he's a sports writer. Um, he, you know, he's not just doing these these cartoons or these panels. That uh, he's a, a legitimate uh, journalist. But uh, yeah, also the, writes the book on the sport, the great sport. And I do remember in third grade at Packnack Lake Elementary School, the fellows would all gather around the brick wall, <laughs> and we would play intense games, life changing games. Of uh, wall ball, wall yeah. ball, <laughs> also known by by this gentleman, R Mr. Ripley would refer to it as handball. Okay, That's and but we can't argue with him because he actually legitimately wrote the book on handball. There's an official document and a, a binding document explaining the sport uh, that's given credence and and published as the official guide to handball, with the author being. Leroy Robert, Robert Ripley. <laughs> yeah. What? He was also, uh, after he wrote this book, became uh, the world hand, not, not maybe not world, maybe it was national handball champion. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, uh, I mean, I, I feel like that was like we, you know, whoever won wall ball. You know, back at Packneck Lake Elementary School, like a <laughs> world champion of Packneck Lake Elementary School third grade. until recess tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> world champion until you broke a window on a car. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's a fascinating guy too. He also covers boxing quite earnestly. Which, uh, if you guys want to know more about the history of boxing, especially early in America, um, year one of this podcast, we did that with uh, my pal John Moses came on for one one of my favorite episodes because you sit there and you just say. Hang on, what? No, no way, no way. This was sports. They considered this sports, but man, just one pugilist on another pugilist. It really was, and uh, I, I think I forget what the deal was, but I think the longest fight of all time was like uh, uh, eight hours or something what? like that. Yeah, the longest, but because it used to be. I mean, just the rules were crazy. But I mean, he was even covering this as a journalist, though, so that's yeah, even wilder right. too. Yeah, I found a little uh, neat uh, loserception here too, but uh, uh, Ripley. And call the wild author, uh, Jack London. No shit. Yeah. Worked briefly together in 1910. Both both of these guys were, were journalists at the time, and they were sent to Reno, Nevada to uh, cover the battle of the uh, – what was uh, dubbed as the uh, battle of the century between Jim Jeffries and, and Jack Johnson. No shit. So, yeah. So, you got these two newspaper guys, and they uh, were both covering the same fight back in uh, Reno, back in the day in 1910. Yeah, man. Could you imagine history like that cross paths? And it does all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Kahuna says it's kind of like um, uh, he always makes a comic book reference that I don't get. But then he tells me it's the same thing that like in Game of Thrones when it's like we know these characters, but they don't know each other. And they like walk past one another like, oh, it's a, hey, how are you? <laughs> yeah. What a weakling. <laughs> but uh, Ripley's doing this kind of Anthony Bourdain, uh, no reservations thing. And he's really absorbing and uh, these other cultures that he's completely fascinated with and has the utmost respect for um, their customs and specifically things that make them unique in the world. And he'll publish these stories from his travels about the exotic customs, and the exotic people. And he shows true journalistic integrity. OK, we everybody shits on the media. Um, and don't worry, they give you plenty of ammo to do so. Um, and fact checkers come in a little too late on a lot of things because the story's already been ran and uh, public opinion has been shaped. Ripley, because he knew that he could control his little tiny um, corner of the world, if you will, 
with this Believe It or Not strip and then the articles and all that. He actually would hire researchers, one of whom was with him for the duration of his career and then even afterwards stayed on with the strip uh, and the, the publication, I should say, um, to ensure that he could – and this was Ripley's claim. He goes, I can back up every claim I've ever made and because he hired researchers to make sure. He goes, hey – don't <laughs> I'm going to borrow a line from Godfather. I don't want my brother walking out there with just his dick in his hand. All right. The gun better be placed. <laughs> so, <laughs> he goes, I want to make sure that when I say something, people believe me. I need to have. So it, it's right. it, it, a guy covering literal freak show stuff has more integrity than, uh, well, obviously his eventual employer, too, we're about to get into. <laughs> uh, the work of such a unique and unusual nature makes Ripley something of a commodity, okay? Much like the same freaks of the circus here. Uh, if you're looking for stories yeah. about the odd, uh, you know, um, customs and people of the world, he's the only guy selling it. So Ripley's providing something nobody else can. And that's going to attract the attention of a different type of a circus magnate. Um, <laughs> not the yeah. Ringling Brothers, not P.T. Barnum. Carrie, you want to take one wild guess what newspaper magnate is going to? Perhaps we've covered him on the show. Maybe we covered his granddaughter too. Is it a guess if I know who it is? Well, I'll tell you what. It's it's three names. <laughs> uh, William Randolph Hearst. Goddamn right. <laughs> Loserception. Like twister right there. Yeah. William Randolph Hearst. Yes, the famed William Randolph Hearst. Loserception, folks. Go ahead and check out those other episodes. And if you want to, just check out the Orson Welles episode because as people yeah. told us, they said that was as close to a um, – borderline uh, scholarly endeavor as we've uh, as we've done that was up there with Tammany Hall in uh, 1812 um, Hearst would provide the money so that's the thing this guy uh, his famous quote of you provide the pictures I'll provide the war well in this case you provide the freak show stuff I provide the money but again Ripley's making it very clear these people aren't freaks they're to be treated with dignity and respect I'm talking he even uh, started coining the term not coining the term but using the term uh, preferably of oddity an oddity. This is something odd. This is you've right. never seen this. It's a little before. different. Yeah, but they're people just like you and me. But look what this person can do. Look what this can do. Look what this group of people believe. You know that kind of thing. Here's their practices. So it's kind of cool that way. Um, one of his best um, moments, if you will, here for uh, a believe it or not moment. It's uh, it's pretty much outstanding. Um, this is my favorite thing that we've uh, discovered here. Did you know this one, Dad? I don't know what you're about to tell me. So. Um, it's pretty great. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, Chris stepped out for a second here. He's dealing with a couple of those things in the studio because I genuinely wanted to watch him freak the fuck out when we told him this. Oh, yeah. Um, this is pretty great. Uh, one of his best all-timers, I would say a Hall of Fame, believe it or not, moment, and the one that etches him into the history books is that in 1929, he wrote, uh, a believe it or not moment that although America believed the Star Spangled Banner was the national anthem, it had never been officially named so by the U.S. government, Kerry. So therefore, Ripley was 1000% accurate when he ran the headline, believe it or not, America has no national anthem in 1929. Yeah, so here we are. How many years after the, Revo the American Revolution? Over 100 years yeah. after the War of 1812, where Francis Scott Key wrote... The Star Spangled Banner, which, by the way, was sang to the tune of a, an English drinking song. So right. it was a little sarcastic. Right. It was. A, and it wasn't just a drinking song. It was like a guttural drinking song kind of a <laughs> thing. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't for the uh, for polite company, if you will. Imagine, if you will, that you were singing. Um, you had to come up with the national anthem for a new country that was just created. And you did it to the tune of. Uh, bang, uh, bang, Lulu. Or <laughs> I was going to say Chumba Wumba Tub Thumper. <laughs> Oh, get knocked down. <laughs> but anyway, he ran that. And within two years, less than two years of uh, him running this 
headline that reads, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Believe it or not, America has no national anthem. Everybody goes, holy shit, we don't? We don't even have, I thought it was the start. No, the government never said so. Less than two years after that article comes out, President Herbert Hoover goes, hey guys, uh, so listen, we kind of goof. We forgot to make it official. Um, the Star Spangled Banner uh, is our national anthem. And so we're going to give a little bit of credit to uh, the guy who wrote it, uh, Francis Scott Key, who, by the way, um, his son, well, if you don't know, folks, if you don't know about Francis Scott Key's son, go listen to the episode on Dan Sickles and thank us, okay? <laughs> Dan <laughs> Sickles go. is still the captain chaos of this show. <laughs> go, go learn something by listening to the Dan Sickles episode. Oh, totally. Um, but yeah, so within two years, the president responds to an article written by Ripley here. That's pretty fucking cool. Now, um, Yeah, and for the politicians to get something done within two years. Uh, that's pretty pretty much an, an oddity in itself right there, right? I don't know. We got midterms coming up. You know, we're yeah, gonna wait yeah, and see right. how people feel about there's another national anthem called uh, America Fuck Yeah, but Yeah. <laughs> and you gotta understand too that Ripley's column or his uh panel is being read by, you know, millions of people that um when he started out in nineteen twelve, he was making a whopping twenty five dollars a week, which wasn't a bad salary for nineteen twelve uh, standards. Mm-hmm. But at the peak of his popularity in the 1930s, or yeah, during the, during the Depression, his syndicated column was earning him $7,000 a week. God damn. That's not a bad take home for 1930s, That's right? not a bad take home for 2022, all right? We're yeah. talking, we're <laughs> talking was, at least four to five tanks of gas. And, <laughs> and he was being read by over 60 million people daily. Uh, this is the, that salary rivaled Hollywood stars like James Cagney and Gary Cooper. Cooper and Ke- and also by the way uh, when you were saying how much his readership was dead yeah. um, he also they believed that he received more mail than the president of the United States uh, I I read that as well that has been confirmed yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean what he became so popular that um, although he was on the constant search for things for his uh, for his column um, people started mailing him all kinds of stuff you know whether it's uh, uh, some fruit or vegetable that looks like something else or uh, whatever it might be. Uh, one of the things that uh, was sent to him was a shrunken head. And um, whoever sent it to him said, please be careful with it because I think it might be a relative. <laughs> 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 That's Uncle Ernie. <laughs> oh, Maybe. We think. Maybe, yeah. We haven't seen him since. <laughs> also true. Um, I'll tell you what you missed uh, um, in a second. It's pretty damn good. Um, but uh, there's a couple other wild ones here, too, because uh, despite the nation being in the grips of a Great Depression, the curious minded nature of Americans, like you said, that ensures that Ripley remains a hit. So he's got Hearst funding behind him. He's making a ton of money. He's receiving more uh, mail than the president. He's being paid better than some of the Hollywood stars. And by the way, once you start making all that sort of money, um, there's other things. That are gonna, so he's got a little bit of um, there's a little bit of uh, uh, I don't want to say jackass, but there's like a stunt man to him almost in these things. Um, he starts doing radio shows. He's one of the first guys to ever do this. Uh, Ripley does become a proper explorer, okay, with exploits all over the, the country and then also over the yeah, world. Especially with Hearth's uh, money uh, backing him. He oh, totally. He's able to now, now afford these world tours and stuff. And- I guarantee you there was a couple of times when Ripley had to take that boat ride over to Hearst Mansion and be like, all right, what do I have? What do I have? What can I show these guys? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he did some really cool shit, man. Uh, he a couple of radio transmissions from the bottom of the Grand Canyon that had never been done before. I mean, I hear Ming talk about podcasting from the Dublin house and I was like, we can do that. We have the technology. 
all the way from the next town over. My God. (laughs) We're a couple blocks away. But uh, then he also did communications from under the sea. So radio transmissions from, yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, that's stuff that Jules Verne was. Yeah. And and this is, you got to remember too, at the times, I mean, in the thirties and the, this was radio was the media king. He went from newspapers being the, the media king into the mm-hmm. into the thirties now, where radio is is king. Uh, did you, Carrie? Did you find the uh, the interesting tie-in with that whole Grand Canyon uh, radio broadcast? Um, Who was helping him with that? Well, it's on my screen right now. I think. I don't know what you're going at though. Uh, I was uh, Ripley decided to broadcast a show from the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Uh, and his river guide couldn't steer the boat and work the uh, radio transmitter at the same time, the shortwave radio. So he enlisted the services of some amateur radio operator uh, by the name of Barry Goldwater. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Barry Goldwater would Future. later become U.S. Senator and campaign for president in 1964. Ran, so. as, a, uh, ran just, as a libertarian. Just those little uh, overlaps kind Holy of thing. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I have a couple other little tidbits. Well, are you going to get into the snake pit? No. So uh, that's where I said, I don't want to say jackass, but then there's also, there's that hilarious, um, it, it's one of the wildest jackass games they ever played where they put uh, two um, anacondas in a, a ball pit and made Ryan Dunn in Knoxville look for the the snake. Yeah, it, it, it's some of the most harrowing, but you're dying laughing while you're watching. It's very, it's a confusing thing to watch, but he did a radio transmission live from a snake pit as well. So, uh, hey, I'm Robert Ripley. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> but he did a bunch of other weird shit too. What else you got, Kerr? Um, well, I have a, a cartoon that was featured in, believe it or not, in 1937 was someone's first published drawing, and that would later become Snoopy. No shit. Charles, Charles Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. Charles, so that appeared for the first time in Ripley. Believe it or not. Believe it or no way. In 1937. I'm telling you, Kahuna is breaking boards in half at the house right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm missing this. Yeah. You didn't know this. Over his head. Yeah. Uh, the second cartoon reference I have is a Looney Tunes character called Egghead. Um, that was a character in the 1930s. Believed Ripley was their inspiration for that character. Would then become Elmer Fudd. That's pretty wild. That's <laughs> yeah, the egghead character, the cartoon character had a buck teeth and, you know, uh, a real brilliant type of, uh, uh, that's where the whole egghead kind of thing. If you're an egghead, you're a brilliant guy. You're, you're a brainiac. Right. Back then it would be egghead squad, not geek squad. Right. So it's like, who's going to fix my laptop? Or do you want your laptop fixed? Or do you want us to bite the heads off chickens? Let us know. <laughs> we got a, We got squads for both. Um, anything else on that one too? Because there's a couple other weird ones now. Uh, I don't have some weird ones. Okay, there's a couple. Oh, hit me with whatever else you have. Interrupt when you have to. Um, um, I mean, he's credited with traveling to 201 of the 235 recognized countries at the time. He is a proper and he explorer. Had a fear of yeah. flying. So. <laughs> How did he get there? He just, oh, he flew. He just bit his lip. And- yeah, you can be afraid the whole time. Just. <laughs> yeah. He'd be in like the President's Club of like the Delta thing because he had like 600,000 miles. Uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good, hard to argue. By the way, Ripley, yeah, presidential suite while you're in your beautiful position. It's <laughs> <laughs> he certainly got around. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, uh, he's a proven commodity. Absolutely, he's a hit almost right away, and then it only continues to grow from throughout his life. But that, of course, attracts more Hollywood stars and starlets for his work. This will increase his audience to the point where he's able to open up what he's going to refer to as 
And I do believe he coined this term. It's not an auditorium. It's not a museum. It's an auditorium. Yeah. It's <laughs> the auditorium in Chicago is actually where he – now, I, sh I really should have looked this up, and I'll ask – my sister's got her computer here. Chris Matt has his computer here. I'm going to ask you guys to do real-time research for me on this one. Carrie, you tell me that the first auditorium was at the World's Fair in Chicago. In 1933. In 1933. Can you look up – because I think that's well after H.H. H. Holmes. But if there was a time that H.H. Yeah, H. Holmes – that's Holmes. Okay, because Holmes was snatching people up at some sort of a World's Fair in Chicago, and uh, the idea- well, he died in 1896, so- <laughs> Holmes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris just a brought- A little up, after. Chris brought up H.H. Holmes again, and I can't stop laughing because the third picture that pops up when you first bring it up is Meghan Markle because what there's the- a, there's the <laughs> But there's, there's the conspiracy theory that she's a descendant of H.H. H. Holmes. <laughs> we covered it on the show. Um, but- uh, I haven't seen him in the same place. Also true. And if that's the case. Um, but uh, it's it's nuts here, too. This auditorium is starting to be filled with uh, some of the cool stuff. Believe it or not, actually, we'll even get turned into – you talked about dad going from print being king mm. to radio being king. Absolutely. There's a new medium that's coming out right now that he's one of the early on pioneers of. Most families did not have a television in America at the time when Ripley's Believe It or Not first became a television show. So he took a huge, huge chance on that. But – I think we can also be honest, too. It's fun to read about weird, curious things. It's fun to hear about them on the radio. But you do have to see shit at the end of the day. There's a visual aspect to this whole medium. Right. So, to try to describe the bearded lady and to actually see the bearded lady on your TV screen is another thing. Like the joke from Hot Rod. It's, my God, you have to – AM radio is covering a dirt bike jump. And they go, my God, you just have to see it to believe it, folks, <laughs> I mean, here on AM radio. Um, but uh, he's doing all this cool stuff over here, too. Um, now, Kara – Talk to me about the auditorium, if you will. Um, which auditorium? So that's the other thing. There's multiple. So the first one's over in Chicago. Yeah. And so I know we didn't look up. The, we, we, I should have done this. That's my fault for not having the, the chronological order of when they came out. Well, what's interesting is that Ripley's website says that the first permanent auditorium was in 1950 in St. Augustine, Florida. But the PBS website now says that in 1939, he opened his first permanent auditorium in Manhattan. Well, there's a Manhattan one. There's a Atlantic City one. Whoa. Jersey. Jersey connection. Whoa. Always. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're all over the place. There's one out in Vegas, I believe, as well. Um, what were some of the, the weird and strange things that you could find in these auditoriums? Well, so looking through the list, I have like 19 of them on this one. Uh, most of these are relative to the time. Keep going. <laughs> uh, because like a shrunken head is kind of odd. I, I, I'll give it that one. Or uh, a human owl who can spin his head 270 degrees around. Someone with a 78-inch mustache, I wouldn't really consider odd nowadays. Um, uh, not not in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the day before he was supposed to start in the auditorium, uh, his manager ripped off half of his mustache. No, sh oh, that's womp, terrible. Womp. So he had to fly back to India. Oh, got it stuck in a fan. Wow, forty-three and a half inch mustache. Seven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's nothing. Not as good. Oh, get out of here, nerd! <laughs> Come back when you have something worth showing us, Brian Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he had a six and a half inch mummified, what who they're calling Attaboy, um, thought of from Peru. So they think he was just a, a boy shrunken and mummified. 
Jeez. Like you would do a head, but a full body. Still dark. And, uh, oh yeah. 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 But again, the, the times now. I mean, That's still weird by today. I don't know what the yeah. fuck. Right, no, yeah. That the sociopath is. to my yeah. left is the, saying. The mustache right. oh, you know, thing, not. not so odd <laughs> to yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, this was, you just used take to a long a, time to grow it out. This used to be a, a male child. Now we're using it as a letter opener. Yeah, I mean, come that, on. That's no, a, that one's that's odd. Right. <laughs> right. Or a, a guy that would swallow electric light bulbs. At the 33 Chicago World's Fair. Jesus, electrically. <laughs> <laughs> that now, that might have been a geek. We don't even know. It's like, it used to be chickens. Now it's just light bulbs. I'll do whatever the people tell me. I'm being paid in Yankee. It's America's oldest brewery. <laughs> Think about this, too. He swallowed electric light bulbs, but this lady was at the same World's Fair with seven feet long hair. So you just spent your whole life growing out your hair. This guy swallows electric light bulbs that could possibly kill him. Yeah, that has to be what I was saying things. with the times. I mean, electricity is the thing nowadays. Oh, back in back in the thirties, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, they had to specify electric light bulbs. Right, right. That's um, like uh, how many watts? I, that, it doesn't say that one. Because now we're bordering on the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, oh, that's nothing. Yeah. I did hundred watt light bulbs. You only did sixties. <laughs> yeah, but they were LED. Or? Bright white, natural light. <laughs> exactly. CFLs. Uh, you got a fireproof. Bad. It's the filament that really gets you. That's right, right. Uh, you got a fireproof man who would, you know, <laughs> blow blow torches on his body, but he would never burn or anything like that. Um, you have to see him too, because it looks like there's a little Danny DeVito to him when you can see the guy. I can see that. Um, I mean, to now this would not be weird to me, at least. Uh, this guy. Lost both his arms below the elbow in a sawmill accident, uh, and he designed his own metal, quote-unquote, fingers. So he was the man with the iron hands. Now they would just be prosthetics. Now right. his name is just That's true. That's, <laughs> right. That's right, right. <laughs> he wouldn't be an oddity. You're making a good point here, too, especially at the idea that some of these people are performing at the same weird world's fair, where it's like, uh, I'll tell you what, so th this... I'll make my comparison to comedy again because you have to do it. You have to stay rooted in the things that you know. And I've, I've put 10 years into this. So I can tell you there's so many times when you go up there having sat there and said, I carefully wrote this act. Every bit flows into another. There's not a word here that is not necessary to build to the next thing. And then a guy goes up there and just is humping the stool, making the same crowd laugh. And you're like, I fucking hate this art form so much. I'm ready to <laughs> – <laughs> but that has to be it too. Like Kerry's making a great point. Literally, this guy is eating light bulbs. He's on. He's like, I'm, I'm doing about ten light bulbs a day over here, and this bitch just hasn't gotten a haircut, and we're making the same money. <laughs> or so to use the woman with the haircut as an example, you got her on one end of the spectrum, and then you have who I think is the strangest oddity here: uh, a woman who had no head, but she was still alive. So you got someone that can grow their hair at seven feet, and then this lady is like. Alive with no head. I have questions. Well, <laughs> yes. uh, it was part of a famous magic yeah, trick. If you have questions, you got to pay to get in to see that. <laughs> yeah, by the magician Voltus. Volt. Okay, now the magic act part of the thing was cool too because that would actually come in for um, – uh, there was a great show on HBO, two seasons, really got robbed. We should have had more, but uh, Carnival was the name of the show. Mm. And their take on the whole geek thing – was um, they actually they mentioned that the geek thing was like uh, outlandish practice that we're we're classy joint we don't employ a geek like I said, but um, their version of a geek was uh, um, 
they they would advertise a monster that they had this ridiculous creature and it was uh come on out and see the man-eating chicken and it was this vicious looking painting of a chicken with giant like you know uh t-rex teeth and stuff like that an intimidating looking chicken and then it was just a guy sitting there eating a chicken wing and then uh everybody gets all pissed off oh a man-eating chicken i get it and then they say all right folks but now what you do you walk out and now you tell everybody, I can't believe it. I've never seen nothing like that in my life. It was a man-eating chicken, I tell you. And then all your friends are going to come in here, and then they're going to be the saps. And you're just like, oh, cool. Thanks for ripping us off. And now we can rip off more people. And I just love the circus. <laughs> never give a sucker an even break. Oh, yeah, it's the truth. <laughs> Another one's born every minute. That is true. Um, all right, so this lady's born without a head. Who else she got? Any other strangers? Well, no, she was born without a head. It was part of a magic trick. They made it appear that she had no head. Yeah. Uh, you got a guy who held his arms above his head for 20 years as a devotion to one of his Hindu gods. Fair. You know, there's uh, – I wonder if the Hindu gods – I want it to be like uh, you know, Vishnu or something like that and be like, huh, only two arms? That's all I'm good for right. is two? I have 16 arms on each side and you make me laugh with your two arms and your devotion. Uh, this one I could relate to like acupuncture. The, he was a human pin cushion. He had a hundred pins stuck in this his body. This is the one that pain. would freak me the fuck out. This <laughs> is like, the stuff. To me, that's acupuncture. This if, you, if you do it the right way, you're not going to feel pain, right, Dad? Right. And so, if you do it the yeah. wrong way, it becomes earrings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but or a the, new tattoo. That was Man. the other guy that would literally put pins and stuff through his like skin and, whatnot, uh, and he wouldn't bleed it. anywhere. But again, acupuncture to me what else that's, that's most of them really like he died for three days he made a <laughs> uh you know water into wine he's got some crazy stuff they should really check him out hang yeah. on his name is right. jesus jesus <laughs> yeah, I, kid. Some, yeah, yeah. didn't he do something recently coming up <laughs> no, 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 he's getting ready. He's got to do with eggs. That's Hang it. on, there's a movie made about this guy he's got starring Willem Dafoe. Um, he's got a forty-day gig coming up. Right. <laughs> uh, now this this next guy, so that's the guy right there. That we're we're looking at the pictures here too as we're going through. Did you have anybody else? Any of the other oddities, care? Um, I mean, those were the the ones that. Came there's some marquee it. oddities right there. I mean, or you got a guy who wore gloves and a blindfold, covered his piano keys with a cloth, and played a different tune on each piano simultaneously. That's pretty cool. It is. I would get a kick out of seeing that. But yeah. when you compare uh, personality. that- Yeah, when you compare that to, you know, a guy laying on a bed of nails. The, that stuff actually used to drive me nuts to see that. I, I have, I don't know why I have a hard time with that, but I do. Uh, I'll say this one too. There was another freak that he had in, uh, in his thing. I believe it was a comedian who would play the piano with his penis. Sorry, that's the president of Ukraine. <laughs> that's a hundred percent true story, too. By the way, um, yeah, Paddington Bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anything else you had here too? Because I mean, you got a couple others. No, because this one freaks me out. That one freaks. Uh, then we have to go into it, Carrie. No, we have to go into it, Carrie. You, People you demand. Go into it. All right, so this one's pretty good right here. This has to be good. If my sister, who's not a good person, um, is freaked out <laughs> by this, all right, Leonard. All right, this one does. I understand why this freaks her out. Um, Leonard Perry was featured in a 1933 Believe It or Not cartoon and performed at the Chicago's World Fair that same year. Audiences squirmed at his ability to pop his eyes out of his sockets one at a time or both at once. I hate that. So he used to be able to do like the mask thing, like when Cameron Diaz walks in for the first time, yep. which, by the way, that was every boy's reaction. Um, <laughs> but uh, what do you think his nickname was too? this uh, this guy, Leonard Perry, he can pop his eyes out of his head. 
It's a good nickname for him. Harry I. LP. <laughs> <laughs> He's Popeye the Sailor. They nicknamed him Popeye. Hey, what's your name? Why did I call you Popeye? <laughs> <laughs> did he start a chicken wow. chain? Oh, my God. Oh, that one does. It is a little bit freaky to see. Did he, so. did he start a fried chicken chain? He might have. People freak out putting contact lenses in. How about that guy popping his uh, eyes out? Well, then yeah. it'd be super easy. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, you lost it on the side. Just pop your eyes completely <laughs> out. Oh, look, go. I found it. There it is. I, I like to picture him smoking pot and uh, someone just goes, hey, do you have a prescription for that? And he just goes, Bring! <laughs> <laughs> sir, carry on. Have a good day. I hope there's some CBD in there somewhere. Oh, my God. Uh, but like we said, th- this is all stuff that um, these are all things that this guy brought to attention. And he did it, number one, with journalistic integrity by having fact checkers for everything. Number two, with a sense of, uh, I guess, decorum is the word. Um, to handle these people with respect who were kind of throwaways, dregs of society type things. And he certainly would not allow them to be spoken to or mistreated. So this is like, oddly enough, this is a good human being. Uh, this is the, uh, to, to borrow a line from Neil Young, this is a kinder, gentler machine gun hand. I'm still presenting these people, but you will be well paid. You will be treated with respect. We are still going to take your unique physical characteristics and profit off of them. And you know what? Even that guy, um, the world's tallest man, uh, he even said that he had hesitations about uh, joining up with what he thought was a freak show. And then Ringling Brothers treated him so well that he understood because uh, one of the performers, too, he, I think the guy's name was uh, Major Might, and he was the world's shortest man, and they would pair the two of them up together. So it was a little bit of a um, – uh, uh, obviously, the, the juxtaposition of the two, it's a Schwarzenegger-DeVito thing. Um, but uh, – he, oh, twins, the movie yeah, twins. But I, yeah. I think Major Might had a comment one time and he goes, There's more freaks in the audience than there are here on stage. You know, <laughs> saying these people are coming, they're paying to see us. You got to remember it that way. And because of that, the world's tallest man then wound up actually, he was considered a gentle giant and a good guy, but um, he took the gig because uh, it was hard for him to find work, regular work. Because I mean, the guy's going to bop his head into everything he could possibly do. And there was no NBA yet at the time that could really make use <laughs> of right. a guy's skill set. Like center. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There was no, uh, there wasn't a need for uh, a Shaquille O'Neal type guy yet. But uh, um, so these, again, they're called freaks and stuff like that. And that's a negative thing here, but they were also being given money and it was an opportunity to have um, a better life than what these people would be subjected to in their everyday, just trying to blend in like normal people. They were actually embracing their differences and their unique qualities. So there is something beautiful to that. And Ripley certainly made it more uh, prestigious and honorable to do so and built himself a weird little empire out of his two strange little hobbies. So imagine uh, drawing a cartoon and then all of a sudden all of your dreams are coming true. You're married to a Hollywood starlet. You're traveling the entire world. You're one of the most famous people on planet Earth. Unfortunately, he does die of a heart attack in New York City. Okay. Well, you knew he had to die at the end of the story, but <laughs> um, but he's got, uh, I would say, every possible childhood dream came true for this guy, um, even though he himself had this uh, affinity towards um, the freaks and the uh, the oddities due to his own buck teeth. So a guy can just feel uncomfortable in his own skin and then make sure, because there's two ways to repeat behavior onto people. Um, you see this a lot with like bullies and sports and stuff like that, or even hazing and any sort of an organization. You can see people that say, oh, my God, I can't wait till there's a new guy and then I'm going to do all the shit that they did to me when I was the new guy. And then you have other people who I'm not trying to sit here and like say I'm a saint or anything like that. But my whole thing was 
well, that made me feel terrible when they did that to me. So I'm not going to treat people that way. Um, and then, then every now and then somebody shows up and you're like, all right, we have to bully this fucking dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> this guy's deserving. Jesus Christ. All right. We screwed up here. Um, but, uh, no, it was wild here. He did pass away, uh, suffered a heart attack in 1949. Um, but all throughout world war II and the great depression, he was one of the, the top earners in the entire country here. And one of the most famous men, um, he was, uh, again, the, his curiosity in museums, uh, you can still go to them today. I highly, highly, highly recommend the St. Augustine one. Um, they do, uh, that's actually a place they give you cameras and you can take pictures because they do believe that there's um, orbs that show up in the pictures all the time because they, they believe the location to have been haunted prior to Ripley bringing in all this weird, goofy ass shit from around the world. Um, I went there with uh, an ex of mine and she claimed to have some sort of a, uh, a fifth sense or something like that. Uh, but she was at certain times in that place overwhelmed and then would talk to the tour guide and be like, do people, where do people have reactions the most in this place? And they were like, actually, oddly enough, it's this one statue over here that you won't stand near. That's the one that freaks everybody out. So you know, go to, see it. Good to, touristy shit. To that point too. I mean, his last episode, um, you know, he's, he's made it in the newspapers. He's syndicated uh, columnist and, you know, worldwide uh, radio broadcasts and, everything else and now we, this new medium is coming in with television so now he's taken his Ripley's Believe It or Not to the television screens to the airwaves and he collapsed during the broadcast of his 13th episode uh oh alright so all you numbers people can uh, play off of that uh, on his uh, NBC uh, television program and uh, the episode featured a tribute to the military funeral song Taps oh boy and he dies three days later of a massive heart attack. Oh, his last age. words were, believe it or, or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. This, <laughs> this being the doctor giving him the news, the news to his wife, uh, you know, to walk out. Is he going to be okay? Is he going to be okay, doc? Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not so much. <laughs> oh, it's not good. But holy yeah, hell. This yeah, this one's a, uh, oh my God. He had a, a really, I, I really do admire though that he was able to sit there and say because of the researchers, every claim could be backed up. Um, that's something we could probably use a little bit more of here. Um, were there any other weird things in this collection that either of you wanted to bring up as we, we we're going to send this one home? No, I think we uh, we got the gist of it, there, Kev. That uh, you know he was a very interesting guy, and uh, you know coming up from nothing, he has to go out and and as a teenager work to help support the family and kind of a self-made man with his uh and prowess in so many different areas in journalism in athlete, his athleticism and it's just semi-pro it, baseball handball cartoonist a journalist explorer yeah um, um, entertainer too if he's hosting his own show and, let and, me tell you, you guys understand how hard it is to host a show <laughs> or you have no clue it's <laughs> yeah it's a dirt, tough job but i mean you got to just pull info out of people you got to make your father write stuff it. you know what i mean <laughs> Um, papers yeah, even though your father hates you for it and it's 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 tough i understand we're getting towards orange county choppers here in our later years folks there you go. there's gonna be a chair coming across the room soon yeah they're backing me hand to the front of your face <laughs> <laughs> uh real quick we'll give a shout out to tri-county pipes my father's marching band okay for the bagpipers they're gonna be playing you got a couple of parades coming up where are you gonna be uh we're gonna be in morristown for the morristown parade we're going to be in bergenfield for the bergenfield parade and these are all for Columbus Day parades, right? This is not. This is. Uh, this is not 
St. Patrick's Day, Kevin. This is the season of St. Patrick, as by now you're well aware of. Both you and it's Kevin. better than Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's too big of a holiday for just one single day. It has to be the entire month of March. Absolutely it's accurate. So he'll be up there, and again, uh, a couple of guys in the band are regular listeners. And then also, if you're looking for a bagpipe band in the uh, northern New Jersey, they travel. These boys will travel. That's they right. can play too. We're gonna get uh, my father. Uh, he's gonna become a member of a certain. Uh, Irish American Honor Society down in uh, the Jersey Shore area too. Uh, I have to get him a membership because they like me, but uh, we'll figure it all out. Oh, Carrie, thanks, anything, thanks for sneaking me in the back door. We're going to get you in old German. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, right. um, it's the best part of being adopted too, is I'm more Irish than my father. So. <laughs> Carrie, anything you want to say to the listeners on the way out? Uh, you mentioned maybe being able to watch that movie Freaks. Yes, can you uh, or no? If you could or not. Uh, according to this, it's on HBO Max. I think everything is You're at welcome. this point. Holy hell. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to task. I don't want to task listeners here, but uh, Rachel Torres. Okay. Rachel Torres, you're out there. Deb P, you're out there. James Stiffy, he's out there. Stiffy. I know it's Stiffy. I love that guy too, by the way. He, he actually just sent us a picture of uh, his Xbox, his brand new Xbox with an American Loser sticker on it. It, goes, um, it, goes, it came out of the box and the sticker went on it. There you go. Um, and by the way, his dog has a sweater that says, don't fuck with TR. That's how much of a, <laughs> okay. that's, that's, he's great. That's a listener. All right. Uh, Jay Blue. I think it's, uh, actually, Jay, do me a favor. I talk to him. He DMs me every now and then because he, he posts when he's listening to the different episodes. Uh, Jay, tell me how to pronounce your first name correctly because it looks like it's Quadio. And I want to get this shit right, okay? Uh, our boy Prete Gosh, all right? He's over in India. Prete, if you can find this movie, Freaks, you guys watch it. Tell me how far you get into it. Give me a minute marker, and I swear to God, we'll come here. We'll do a special episode. We'll set up a couch, me, Chris, Matt, and the Kahuna, and we'll see how we will make sure. First of all, we'll feed the Kahuna beforehand, okay? We'll make sure we get a, a nice full meal going for the Kahuna, and we'll see how long he's able to watch that movie before he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 30 seconds. Cool. Absolutely. Uh, just in case you don't have HBO Max, it's on YouTube and iTunes, too. Oh, God. Or Voodoo and... I don't know that right. classics. So, that is for us by us. That is. <laughs> um, all right. That being said, guys, we're going to wrap this bad boy up over here. Uh, we love doing the show. Uh, thank you so much to Mike and me who take great care of us. Thank you to Chris Mad. Chris, I would like you to pl uh, plug your band on the way oh, out, please. Oh, absolutely. Serious Matters NJ. I repeat, Serious Matters NJ. We've got a new album uh, that just got finished recording. This March 11th, we're dropping a live album on any streaming platform that you can get your hands on. And if you just throw in Google or DuckDuckGo, whichever one you prefer, Serious Matters NJ, will pop up across all your social media. Go give us a follow. Check them out. I do have uh, one of their videos shared on my Facebook wall, even though it's being suppressed thanks to Joe oh. Weber. But uh, check that one out, too. Also, if uh, we're not friends already over on Facebook, I'm all I'm doing is posting jokes upcoming gigs stuff like that i'm actually going to be at the dojo of comedy in uh, morristown uh morris plains rather uh for like a saint patrick's type day show with a uh, former guest of the show lynette paladino will be on that and my buddy sean morton uh so we're going to be there that is march 18th i want to say i should get my dates right on this stuff too it would help to promote the show Kevin. yeah i've also got a couple upcoming dates too i'm very excited uh i'll be back on the road with bobby kelly in may and we're actually going to be out in molly mcguire territory out in jim thorpe pennsylvania mock chunk folks so uh we've got a couple other tour dates coming up on stuff like that uh so i'm excited also guys if you want to see me out there on the road if you got a local club in town or something like that number one mention it to me DM me that info. And then also, if you want to just mention to them, hey, guys, uh, if you heard of KP Burke, he's, you know, uh, he's coming through town. The album's coming out. 
in May. It's going to be the weekend before Memorial Day weekend. I don't know why I'm talking like Joe Biden was that one time when he, when he leaned into the microphone. But no, check that out, man. I'm very excited about the album. It's Escape from Jacksonville. It's coming out. You can also hear me right now. Uh, they're playing a couple of tracks of mine over on SiriusXM. So if you guys happen to see my tracks being played, do me a favor. Go ahead and take a picture of it. I like seeing that shit. Also means I'm getting paid, motherfucker. If you like this show, if you like this show, we love that you listen to it. If you want to help us out so we can keep making the show for as little as $3 a month, okay, you can also do $5 a month. There's some people that donate more. There's some people that donate once and then just disappear. Whatever you give me, I'm grateful for. Over at the Patreon, you will get the exclusive episode. This bad boy is free. You get, I think, one more free one this month. And then at the end of the month, there's one, if you're just a regular listener, we, I'm sorry, your commute to work that week is a little less fun. We'll be vacant. All right. We're going to have a great topic here. Come a Patreon. Yeah. We go longer on those ones. So the topics are a little bit more ambitious and deeper. We do the dives, man. We make my father really work for it here. You know what I mean? But uh, we're doing well, guys. And uh, and we're growing the show and it means a lot. And thank you to all the social media engagement that we have on that one. Thank you to everybody who comes out to a show. And uh, one of the coolest things that happened is I got to uh, have my car worked on the other day and I called up the mechanic and uh, he goes, hey, you're that American loser guy, aren't you? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, he knew well, it because- famous at Jiffy Loop. Oh, yeah. Yep. So anytime you get an oil change, it's all done on that one. So thank you so much to my sister, Carrie. Uh, thank you very much to uh, her parole officer who uh, allowed this trip to take place. Uh, thank you to my father for making us love history and enjoy this weird stuff. Thank you to Chris Mad for your time today, brother. All right. And that was Robert Ripley, American Loser. the day I was born.